If you have your Bibles, your electronic devices, you can turn with me. Uh, Numbers chapter 11. If not, we're going to have the, the words, the, the scripture come up on the screen. Uh, we've been in this series called Promises in the Desert. And a lot of times we look at the desert as a desert is a place where nothing grows. And what we're learning spiritually, there's a lot of things that grow in the desert. There's some negative things and there's some positive things, right? And so we're continuing this series called Promises in the Desert. And today we're looking at the promise of provisions. And a lot of times when we look at provisions, we look at material things, whether it's a salary, an income, uh, whether it's a car, whether it's a house, whether it's a vacation, whether it's clothes, whatever. But God looks at provisions as something totally different than that. fact is, he looks at something, it's something totally uh, different than that or deeper than that. And so as we journey through uh, Numbers chapter 11, as Moses is guiding the children of Israel, if you were with us, uh, out, of the, out, of, out of slavery into the promised land. And God came to him and said, would you take my people out of slavery into the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. And so here's the crazy thing. God said nothing about the desert. You see, the desert is really normative. The desert is where God develops us. There's some things that happen in my life. There's some things that happen in your life when we go through those emotional, spiritual deserts. Desert is a place, just from a biblical definition, desert is the place to where you come to that place in your life, you come to that season in your life to where your strength is dried up. In other words, it's like it almost takes your breath away to where you come to that place where you say, you know what, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know how much longer I can do this to where you begin to have all of those questions. Listen, if you've ever traveled with, with children on vacation, you know the most dreaded question of all when you're traveling with children, right? Yeah, how much farther? Are we there yet? I mean, Karen and I, since moving from Texas to Colorado, we've, we've, we've gotten into hiking, and so a lot of times we'll hike, and, and so we'll come off of, of, of a trail to the trailhead, you know, in early afternoon. We got there early, got up, got back, and then as we're coming down late afternoon, there's this group, there's always this group of hikers, and they're going up, and they're wearing flip-flops and tank tops and no water, no jacket, no food, late in the afternoon, and we always look at each other and say, you know what? Well, you know what we really say? <laughs> Dumb Texans. That's, that, that's what we really say. But, but we know that when they're going up the trail and they're, and they're in flip-flops and tank tops and no water and no jacket, we know this. We know, you know what? They're not prepared for the trail. They're not prepared for the journey. And Moses is leading the children out of Israel. He's in the desert. He's discouraged. He's depressed. He's disillusioned. And he, he knows he's going to make it. But you know what he's asking? He's asking how much farther. He's asking, I know I'm going to make it, but my question is when? I mean, when will I be myself again? How much longer down this trail? How much longer until things work out? Or, or like grief. And mo most of you know that I lost my dad in April last year. So about a year we've been mourning the death of, of my, my father, my dad. And when I, go when I go back home, instead of at dinner time, instead of four place settings at the dinner table, there's three. Someone's missing. It's obvious someone's missing. And nobody, nobody's sitting in my dad's chair. Nobody's sitting in my dad's space. And so some people can go, be going through a spiritual desert where they're like, how long? How much longer where this grief is just all-consuming? And so Moses is asking the question. In Numbers chapter 11, they've been in the desert for about two years. And so Moses is asking the question, Lord, how much farther? 
Lord, I cannot do this on my own. In fact, is Moses didn't even want the job to begin with. He's like the shepherd. He's in the field. He's tending sheep. And then Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 through 6, there's like this burning bush, but it's not being consumed. And he goes over to check it out. And then God begins having this conversation with him. And God tells him that I want you to take my children out of a land of slavery into a land of promise, into a land flowing with milk and honey. And, and, and Moses said, God, I'm not going. And God's like, you're going. And, and Moses is like, well, they, they won't follow me. And God's like, you're going. And, and then he says, you know what? I'm slow of speech. I, you don't understand. I stutter. I'm slow of speech. And God, again, you're going. And he says, God, you got to remember, I'm like a shepherd. I mean, I don't have the leadership. I don't have the vocational skills for this. And God, again, says, you're going. And he says, you know what, God? I didn't even apply for this position. I didn't even ask for this job. And God, again, says, you're going. And so we pick up the story in Numbers chapter 11. And Moses is a leader. And listen, nobody's happy with Moses. They're complaining about him. They're talking about him. And there's this group of people. That it, listen, it doesn't matter what, what God does. It doesn't matter what Moses does. They're just going to be mad. They're just going to be unhappy. And so we pick up the story when Moses gets to the place. He says, God, I'm sick of it. I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of the desert. I'm sick of feeling this way. I'm sick of carrying this. I, I just need to know how much farther. I just need to know, when will I be myself again? That's when we pick up the, the scripture. Numbers chapter 11, verse 4. Here's what the Bible says. It says, Then the rabble that was among them had a strong craving. And the people of Israel also wept again and said, Listen, it only takes, it only takes a few people to get upset. And before long, everybody's upset. And so all of a sudden they say, Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now, here's how you know you're in a desert. But now, our strength is dried up. It's like my breath has been taken away. I, I, I don't know that I can make it. I don't know that I can get through this. And there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. So today, when we look at this subject of promises or the promise of provision, we pick up the story in Numbers chapter 11 when Moses like had it. And here's, here's, here's what I want to know. How is Moses going to connect with God? And maybe more importantly, how does God connect with Moses in the desert? I mean, if you've ever found yourself in a desert where your, your, your strength is dried up and you've been going through a difficult time in your life and you say, you know what, my strength is dried, dried up. I just need to know how much longer. I mean, when Karen and I, Karen's in much better shape than me in hiking and, and, and when, when, when we're hiking, we have this saying, well, the fact is it happened just here a while back. We, we started hiking, left the trailhead. We started hiking. And I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. How much farther, Karen? And she's like, Charlie, suck it up. I can still see the parking lot <laughs> from here. <laughs> and so we have this saying that when you reach that point that, you know what, it's all mental from here. If you've ever played any sports, if you've ever been involved in any organized sports, you know that there comes that point in a game. There comes that point in a match to where you're like, you know what? It's just all discipline from here. It's all mental from here. And God would tell Moses, you know what, Moses? It's all spiritual from here. It's all spiritual from here. I want to give you just real quickly three things, uh, just really one word, uh, to help us understand how we connect with God in the desert and how God connects with us. The first one is this, is we connect to God through prayer. That in the desert, that's a lot of times that we use prayer as like the last resort. Moses used prayer like the first resort. And so we connect with God privately through prayer. I mean, question, are, are you old enough to remember when writing a letter was the only form of communication? 
And it sounds like, it feels like ages ago, right? I never will forget, my dad worked for Exxon uh, Oil Company, and he was a field superintendent. So, so we were moving all the time all over Texas from one oil patch to the next. And so uh, we moved to Tyler, Texas when I was in the fourth grade. We lived there. In fact, this is the longest place we ever lived. We lived there for a number of years until I was a junior in high school. Then a junior in high school, my dad gets transferred to Bay City, Texas. And see, the only problem for me that in the fourth grade, I met a friend by the name of uh, Phil. And Phil became my best friend. And so Phil and I were friends from the fourth grade all the way through high school. And so the junior year of high school, my parents sit us down, the kids down, all four of us as kids. Uh, Dad's been transferred. We're moving to Bay City, Texas. And uh, I'm like... I'm pretty shook up, and so I says, well, how am I going to continue to communicate with Phil and to all of my friends? And my mom, I'll never forget it, my mom says, oh, no problem. You can write letters. You can become pen pals, right? And I'm like, mom, I just can't call Phil? You guys remember these days, some of you. Oh, no. That would be way too expensive. And now, we live in a time of, like, direct communication. I mean, there, just yesterday, there were friends that were texting me all over the U.S. And it was just like we were sitting side by side together. And we're having this conversation. And that if I've taken a, a bath and I'm appropriately dressed, we can, like, FaceTime each other, right? And then it's like, not like they're sitting side by side. It's like they're sitting in front of me across from the table. I mean, I have a lot of options because we live in a time of direct communication. Uh, I, I, can, I can call you. I can call your cell phone. I can call your home phone if you still have one. Um, if you don't answer that, I can leave you a voicemail. I can send you a text message. I can direct message you. I can Facebook you. In other words, that if you ignore my phone call, I have a lot of options. <laughs> and we live in a world of technology and direct communication. And yet, it seems like God hasn't kept up with technology for thousands of years. We pray, we call out, and we worship. Just like people have been doing that for hundreds of hundreds of years. Once you see Moses' prayer, Numbers 11, verse 10, we're just going to walk through these. Moses heard the people weeping throughout their clans. So you know what they're doing? They're not just weeping. They're grumbling against Moses. So they're text messaging one another. They're calling one another. They're complaining about Moses. So they're upset. And everyone at the door of his tent. And the anger of the Lord blazed hotly. And Moses was displeased. Moses said to the Lord. So all of a sudden he's going to connect. He said, why? Why have you dealt ill with your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight that you lay the burden of all these people on me. Did I conceive all these people? Did I give birth? He's melting down, right? Did I, did I conceive all these people? Did I give birth to them that they should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a nursing child to the land that you swore to give to their fathers? Where am I to get meat to give to all of these people? For they weep before me and say, give us meat to eat that we may eat. I, listen, I am not able, his strength is dried up, I am not able to carry all these people alone. The burden, listen, the burden is too heavy for me. Notice the childlike language. God, I'm not their mother. 
I'm not their mother. I shouldn't have to mother them. I mean, I'm not carrying... I'm having to carry them across the, 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 the desert as, a, as a, a nursing mother carries a child. I mean, this burden is too heavy for me. This ter- burden is too great for me. And then watch this. He just totally loses it in prayer. Verse 15. If you will treat me like this, kill me at once. Can you talk to God like that? God, if this is how it's going to be, shoot me, shoot me now. Listen, I prayed that prayer on the trail. I'm telling you, we were hiking one time, you know, and you know, I'm going to process some emotion real quick. And so Karen says, ah, it'll be a light day. We'll just, we'll just do this little four and a half mile hike. It's like eight hours later, we come home. And I'm like, one point I laid out on the trail and said, God, if you love me, you'll take me home now. <laughs> and I don't even mind laying here till you do it. Just don't make me walk this trail. That's Moses. Moses is like melting down. He says, God, if you love me, just kill me now. He's discouraged. He's depressed. He's disillusioned. He's saying, this is too heavy for me. I can't carry this burden. How long? When? How much farther? Are we there yet? And so you see that Moses, Moses has the right direction. His face is turned towards God. He's not complaining about anybody. He's not complaining about God. See, the people, their backs were towards Moses. Their backs were towards God. And they're grumbling against God. But Moses is turned towards God, and he's, he's just honest in prayer. I mean, and see, I want you to see this morning, because it's just so important to us as believers, of how God meets with us in the desert and how we meet with him. When our strength has been dried up, verse 16, then the Lord said to Moses, so he gives him a plan. Gather for me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people of the officers over them. In other words, find some people that love me, love you, and have integrity. And bring them to the tent of meeting and let them take their stand with you. Listen, let me tell you something. God always heals in community, not in isolation. And so he tells Moses, he uses this phrase that many of us may not be aware of or, or really understand, but he says, and Moses, I want you to go to the tent of meeting. You see, when the children of Israel were in the desert, they traveled and they built this portable worship service, this portable worship center. It was called the tent of meeting. We may know it as the tabernacle. And so they would carry it, and in that tent, because that's basically what it was, because it was portable, and in that tent, there was the Ark of the Covenant. It was symbolic of the presence of God. See, it, it represented God's presence with them. And so it moved from place to place with them. See, the tent of meeting was the place where people went to meet with God, not each other. When God said, Moses, I need you to come to the tent of meeting, in other words, what he was saying, my provisions for you is my presence. That I'll, I'll, I'll be with you through this. I'll be with you in the desert. In other words, what God was telling Moses, Moses, I, I need you to come into my presence. And I want you to enter my presence privately, which is through prayer, corporately, which is through worship. And I want you to know that, man, I'm just with you. So the first thing, the first way that we connect with him privately, we connect, connect with him in prayer. The second way that we do is provisions. Now, listen, we, we, we've determined that that word provisions means his presence. And so I just want you to see how God responds to a prayer that, that Moses prayed. I mean, he goes on, verse 17, and God says, and I will come down and talk to you there. In other words, this, that I will come down and I will be with you. 
Yes, you're in the desert. Yes, you're in a difficult time. But I just wanted to know that I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. Whatever you walk through, Moses, I'm going to walk with you. And then he goes, and I will take some of the spirit. And so stop right there. So that spirit is capital S. So we don't, we don't totally understand this theologically. But at the burning bush experience, when, when, when Moses really didn't apply for the job, God some way supernaturally took a little bit of his spirit and let it rest on Moses. And that's what's happening here. And so he says, and I will take the spirit that is on you and put it on them so that you'll be able to speak with one voice. So that you'll be able to support each other and encourage each other. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you so that you may not bear it yourself alone. And so what is so interesting to me is, is God takes the words that Moses used in prayer and he used the same language. Moses, you don't have to bear this alone. Moses, it's, it's not up to you to bear all the burden of these people. Moses, of course you can't bear it alone. You're a human. You, no, nobody, can, nobody can stand up to that. That's why you need my provisions. That's why you need my presence. And I'm going to give you... 70 men that are going to serve with you faithfully and encourage you and support you and lead for you. Moses, I'll provide for you. Now, the question is, is this, what if God still provides for us in those times like he did with Moses? What if when we're in the desert and what if we're having a bad hair day or we're melting down and we're saying, I, I can't do this. Fact is, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of dealing with the same thing over and over and over. We keep our face towards God. We don't turn our back on Him. What, what, what if? In the middle of your desert, whatever that is. Or in the, and it's not a, listen, it's just not a question of if. It's a question of when. Because if we're honest and we try to be honest and just transparent here at Fellowship of the Rockies, every one of us is going to walk through a desert. I've walked through deserts. You're going to walk. It's part of life. But what if in the middle of your desert, in the middle of your mess, and you keep your hands open and you keep facing towards God, what if he not only still provides, but he likes to provide? I know people. In fact, it is the same experiences have happened to me. I know people that in the middle of their desert, in the middle of the mess of their life, when they're saying, I'm sick of this. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can continue. I don't know that I can bear this. I know people in the midst of their hurt and pain and depression that God put someone around them. They got a text message from someone. They got a phone call said, hey, I don't know what you're going through. I just want you to know I'm praying for you. They say that the definition of a real friend is when the whole world walks away from you. A real friend walks towards you. And they'll scale and they'll climb any wall that you have built up to get to you, to encourage you, and to support you. Let me tell you something. If you've ever come to church burdened and you've left church burdened, you didn't go to church. There's a difference between attending church 
physically and attending church spiritually. And that's what God is trying to get Moses to understand. For many of us, there's many years that we just kind of attended church. We, went, we did the church thing. We just, we just did the church thing. And we attended church physically, not really spiritually, but we attended church physically and we really got nothing out of it because the same burdens we brought in are the same burdens we took out with us. And we really got nothing out of it. But when we understood this issue of worship, when we understood this issue of God's presence, when we understood that you can actually come into God's presence and you don't go out from God's presence, you go out with God's presence, things begin to change for us. When, when we were able to learn that, listen, in worship, in private prayer, in here, when we are willing to give our burdens to him, we lay them down. See, Moses, God is telling Moses, Moses, I want you to lay your burdens down. Why? So that you can pick up my yoke, which is light. Listen, the only thing that makes us different than any other organization in the world is the presence of God. That's it. You know how you come into the presence of God? Just real quickly so we're all tracking this morning. You know how you come into the presence of God? It's real easy. It's not weird. It's not goofy. It's not strange. The way that you and I come into the presence of God, we lay our burdens down. Just as Moses did. I mean, to where you start understanding that, you know what, I, I, I just give my first to him. In the New Testament, the Old Testament believers, uh, they worshiped on Saturday. Saturday was the Sabbath. It was the last day of the week. New Testament believers make a shift. And all of a sudden, they start no longer worship on Saturday. They begin to worship on Sunday, which Sunday is the first day of the week. The reason of that is, is because they understood the principle of the first. And they wanted to start giving the first day of the week to God. They wanted to start giving their first because they understand when I give him the first, he blesses the rest. Let me ask you, how about you this morning? Have you ever thought about giving God your first? Have you ever thought about giving him the first day of your week? The first part of your day? How about before you ever start your day? How about giving him the first and laying your burdens down and asking him to walk with you? Listen, let me tell you something. Do you know the reason so many people have so much stress and are so depressed in our society? Fact is, statistics say this, that just from statistics, we are more depressed and we are more stressed than we've ever been in the U.S. and we're more prosperous at the same time. But have you ever wondered why are so many people so stressed and why are so many people so depressed because this, because stress is like, it's like a snowball. I mean, stress is this, stress is when you focus on the same thing over and over and over and there's like, there's no answer in sight. I mean, stress is like this, stress is like today's cares along with yesterday's cares. And the day before, and the day before, and the day before, and the day before. And then it's tomorrow's cares, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. Listen, let me tell you something. You want to reduce stress in your life? The Bible says there's only one way. The only way you and I reduce stress in our life is the presence of God. In fact, is the only way out of the desert? Presence of God. That's why there's a large group of people never made it out of the desert. Because they didn't get this. They didn't understand this. Listen, telling you, we're in a time where we have more self-help books than have ever been written. Listen, when your strength has been dried up, 
A self-help book will not help you. Right? In fact, is Saturday before this, we started all these services, Saturday night before the Saturday night service, I, I said, you know what? Wonder how many self-help books have really been written. So I went to the Google. <laughs> so I asked the Google, I said, Google, how many self-help books are out there? You know what the Google said? Shocking. 237 million self-help books. Don't you think if self-help books really help, we wouldn't keep writing them? See, we think provisions is material. God says provisions is my presence. When you know I'm in the desert with you. When you know I'll put people around you. See, Moses, it wasn't a time in prayer where he just kind of like threw up all over God and vented and walked away. He continued a relationship with God. It's where you lay your burdens down. And, and that's, that's why we life journal here. Listen, life journaling is, is, is it's just a, a, a life plan, a year plan to read through the whole Bible in a year. Because so many people, when, when they come to go, listen, we all had to start somewhere. And what life journaling helps you, it helps you know where to start. It helps you to get to that place to where God can speak directly to you. I have a friend that, that accepted Christ. He became a Christian and, and he had no spiritual background. And so I just looked at him and I said, hey, uh, let me ask you, what book of the Bible did you start reading first? He said, oh, that's easy. I started reading the book of Job because I needed one. And <laughs> he didn't even know it was, it was pronounced Job. I said, that's Job. That's not Job. And he says, yeah, well, no wonder it didn't help. And I'm like, well, of course it didn't. <laughs> and so, so what life journaling helps us to do, it helps us to understand, to read, it helps us to get to that place to where we lay our burdens down, to where we get to hear directly from God. And you know what? I know there's a lot of great devotionals out there with Charles Stanley, Chuck Swindoll, Beth Moore, uh, Henry Blackaby, uh, Oswald Chambers, all of those. But listen, you need to come to the place you don't need someone else to tell you what God said, that you can hear God speak to you directly out of his word. Where you come to that place and you understand it's the presence of God. Listen, when I life journal, I look for common language. Um, when I was going through my dad's illness, we came across Psalm 13. And listen, I'm telling you, Psalms is some of the deepest theology, uh, theology in Scripture. That's why Psalms is always used for healing. To help people understand where their help comes from. It's not self-help. It comes from him. And it makes this shift. Watch this. Psalms 13. One. I just life journaling. And the psalmist started asking the same questions I was asking. How long? How long, O oh Lord? How long will you forget me? See, forever? See, that's one way you know you're in the desert. Is you believe God's blessing everybody else but you. God's taking care of everybody else but you. And God's like forgotten about you. How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because, God, I need you to know I'm shaken. I'm in the desert. See, and, and so you start looking for common language and you say, you know what? That, that's me. That's me. God, I'm asking those same questions. How much longer do I have to go through this grief? How much longer till my house sells? How much longer until I cut that deal? How much longer 
until my kids come home? How much longer till I get a job? Resume after resume after resume, and it seems like you're blessing everybody else. How much longer until we reconcile things in my home and things kind of straighten out? Right? You under, it, it, and then you take that and watch the psalmist. The psalmist doesn't stay. See, in this verse 5, it just, he just makes a shift to praise. And, and so he, he, he crafted a prayer. And then watch this. But I have trusted. I mean, there's this huge shift. But even though, Lord, even though I'm asking how long, here's what I'm going to do. Because, listen, it's all spiritual from here. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Moses is discouraged, disillusioned, and depressed. And, and he comes into the presence of God and he totally changes. See, when you truly enter into worship, when you truly enter into the presence of God, you leave different. If you truly in prayer and in worship come into the presence of God, you don't walk away with the same burdens that you walked in with. And I'm not talking about going out from the presence of God. I'm talking about going out with the presence of God. And when you come into the presence of God, he'll always give you a plan. Watch this. He told Moses, get the 70 guys. And then Numbers 11, verse 24. So Moses went out. He went out with the presence of God. Remember? Because God told him, I'd be with you. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord. And he gathered 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tent. See, the question for us, when we look at the Bible, when we look at the text, is not so much, what does this mean? As much as, will I obey? That's where people struggle. Then the Lord came down. So all of a sudden you see his presence. Came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took some of the spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. As soon as the spirit rested on them, they prophesied. Now, here's just a sad commentary. Talking about the people. But they did not continue doing it the only way out of the desert is God's presence there's a group of people that never made it out of the desert why is it sometimes that in the desert we pull close to God and then he starts answering some prayers he starts taking care of us and we don't continue to do it listen let me just tell you whenever you stop coming into the presence of God you're in trouble and whenever you quit going out with the presence of God you're in trouble. As believers, we're to be a river, not a pond. And there's something about a pond that it only has one, it has a water source flowing in, but nothing flowing out. And as a result, it becomes stagnant and stale and disease infested and mosquitoes and everything else. As believers, that's not for us. We're to be a river. A river has clean water because it has something flowing in and it has something flowing out. Let me ask you this morning, are you entering into worship corporately and privately? Are you giving God your first first part of your day, the first part of your week? People tell me all the time when I start asking these questions, well, oh, you don't understand. I'm just so busy. I've got so many problems. I've got so many burdens. I, I can't be disciplined to do that. Listen, I'm telling you, if you've got a lot of problems, you've got a lot of burdens, you better be coming into the presence of God. 
And you better be going out with the presence of God. Are you coming in and going out with God? Are you able to like just lay your burdens down and pick up his yoke that is light and understand that he goes with you, that he will never leave you, he will never forsake you. It doesn't matter how dry, how hurtful, how painful your desert is, he goes with you. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? With your heads bowed and eyes closed, and the only reason we ask for heads bowed, eyes closed, is just we're, we're just so easily distract, uh, distracted in, 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 in this time and in our society. And so with your heads bowed and eyes closed, let me just ask you, what is God saying to you? What is his word saying to you as a result of his message, of his word? Maybe, maybe you've never entered into a relationship with him. And maybe you don't know that you know that you know that you have eternal life, that you have a relationship with him. There's no magic prayers. It's just having an honest conversation with him and, and asking him to come into your life, forgive you of your sins. Give you the gift of eternal life to where you just tell him, you know what, I just, I just want to start a relationship with you. And I need some things forgiven in my life. And I'm asking. I'm just asking. And I want to understand your presence and I want to understand what it means to walk with you. Maybe you've done that and, and you'd say, you know what, I, I've already done that, but this morning I, I have a burden. I mean, I need to lay some burdens down. I, I came in this morning burdened, and I do not want to leave burdened. I mean, I really want to pick up his yoke that is light. Well, if you, if you have a prayer need, if you have a prayer request, we, we want to pray for you. We really do. Whether it's a financial issue, whether it's a medical issue, whether it's a relational issue, you know what your prayer request, your burden may not have anything to do with what I've just talked about. That's okay, too. So if you need prayer for any area of your life, if it's, you know what, I, I, just, I just need prayer. Then after I pray, we're going to stand. We're not going to be in this moment long, but if you need prayer in any area of your life, as we stand, I'm just going to ask you that as you stand up, would you step out, begin making your way down to the front. You don't have to walk along. People be walking with you. You don't have to be embarrassed that you need prayer. Every one of us needs prayer. I mean, I need a lot of prayer. Every one of us in this room needs prayer. So if you need prayer for any area of your life, after I pray, we stand. You come. Father, we thank you for today. And Father, we thank you for your love and we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the power of your name. Father, we thank you for your presence that, that heals. And so, Father, we just ask that you'd pull this church very close to you, that people would respond to you, and they'd be able to lay down their burdens and pick up your yoke, which is light, that they wouldn't walk out the same way they came in here. But Father, they know that they know that they know that you, they came into your presence and they go out with your presence. So, Father, we look forward to see what you're going to do as people respond to you. For we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand with me? And as you stand, just real quickly, we won't be in this moment long. As you stand up, if you need prayer in any area of your life, would you just make your way down to the front? You can be in the center of a row. It does not.